What's up, you beautiful son of a bitch? Zap! Zap! How you doing? Everybody. I'm beat. You know, I'm happy, but beat. Getting back in the gym? Getting back in the gym a little bit. And, you know, I basically haven't been able to move much for the last three months or something because of a sort of continuously returning herniated disc Uh, situation. Yeah. Fuck that shit. And now I'm really. You know, I'm at the gym fighting the ego because I'm moving so little weight to just sort of gradually, you know, get back in and and I need to gradually make my back stronger again, you know, sort of to, you know, prepare for everything and stretching and doing you know, all the stuff that the average man generally will never want to do in the gym, you know. And <laughs> it's nice, you know, but it's, yeah. A lot of done younger a, balls. Done two pretty good training sessions in the last two days, and I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. Nice. Which is nice. Yeah. Wished it. So happy. Low back. Yeah, it's always yeah. the same. It's L four in the lower back that. Yeah. Fractured it when I was thirteen. It's been. Oh man. Mess, messing with me for forty years. And how'd you do that? Should I ask? Unloading 26 tons of fertilizer <laughs> at a farm I was working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I did it in an afternoon and I did probably every single fucking bag in a wrong movement, you know, so just, yeah. yeah, but you know, at the same time you're growing, you know, I was, I was, I grew probably like eight inches, you know, in a five, six months period during that summer. And, you know, Whatever, it's a long story, but yeah, the responsibility sort of check on that is that whenever I'm actively moving and stretching like mm-hmm. you should, yeah, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Fun fact, and, and why has it been bothering me for 40 fucking years? Because <laughs> I tend to not stretch, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, no, I just. I run to the gym, do some stuff, and then I have to be somewhere. And it's just, you know, it's, Doesn't it's time like to that. Be, be a grown-up, you know. Yeah. I'm a fucking grown-up. I can stretch. <laughs> it's so funny how <clears throat> how many times do I have to relearn that lesson, you know? I mean, it's the, the first thing that you hear when you're starting training is the importance of stretching and warming up and it's like, ah, that's not the, that's not the fun part. That's not the, the ego yeah. part. So I shortchange myself on it and then we reap the the consequences of it. And then I get reminded that I should stretch regularly and I start doing it and the pain goes away. And then I go, well, that's not fun. And I, you know, story of my life. If we would really learn from those experiences without, without hitting walls regularly. Yeah private trainers wouldn't have much work to do. You know, it's like, (laughs) I learned like 30 plus 40 years ago or something to say two, four, six, you know, (laughs) but I still like to pay somebody occasionally just to have the accountability to show the fuck up and do the stuff. Yeah. All of my clients would argue that I don't even count. So I don't know why they're paying me for it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's all I, based off of their perceived exertion. So I'm not counting yeah. any numbers, you know. Yeah. I'd be like, what was the, was it eight? You know, what, what is it? It's like, yeah, whatever. The answer is always two more. If you can stop and ask me that question, that means we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have oxygen in your brain? Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Don't be yeah. a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, sorry your back's hurting you. I'm glad that uh, no, I'm glad that you're back. starting to feel better though. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, Good man. Stuff. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. It's uh, it's the weekend that we're recording this, so I've had a nice, long, busy week and had a nice, relaxing day with the kids today and got a friend's wedding this evening and mm -hmm. just rolling through the days, man. Yeah. And you recovered from that yellow thing that you had last time, <laughs> yeah, last week. Yeah. <laughs> I turned the more lights on in here. So yeah, <laughs> it looked like I had jaundice liver disease. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice, man. Actually, it looked like I probably just looked the same color as the monsters that I drink. Yeah. Yeah. You look on the inside. You, you look the same as the, as the yeah. color of the drink yeah. itself. So, yeah. Are you dressing up for the wedding? I am, and I never dress up, so <laughs> having to dig through the closet to find clothes. I'm normally in gym clothes all the you time. Gotta so. do a, you've got to do a YouTube special, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be called, Who the Fuck Is This Dude? <laughs> it's called, I don't often wear pants, but when I do, <laughs> I'm normally in court. <laughs> normally in court. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Ah. Well, so we were wondering, you know, we're sort of throwing back back and forth ideas, what to talk about. Yeah. You mentioned ADHD the other day. And one of our followers, talk, you know, was asking about wondering if we talk about a little bit about resilience, you know, yeah. resilience in life in general and and my first sort of thought when I, th you know, think about resilience is that most of the time where I sort of, where it has really kicked in in my life is actually similar to what we're just talking about. When I hit the wall doing 60 miles per hour and, you know, my yeah. face is the first sort of landing point. It's a, you know, my father, he, you know, he has physical challenges. And last winter, you know, he's becoming an old man, obviously. And last winter, he falls over when he's going to our, you know, weekend home, or weekend house, or retreat place, or whatever you call it in the U.S. And it's like eight degrees Fahrenheit outside. Oh, probably more, probably like 12, 13 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. He falls over and he can't get, can't get up again. When he full, fell, fell, fell over, his phone slid out of his pocket. So he couldn't call anybody. Uh. He just laid there in the freezing cold 
not dressed up for it for three and a half hours. Wow. And just about when he was about to finally cave in, he suddenly got up. Something kicked in. He found the strength, the power, the resilience, and he got up and, you know, dragged his ass into the house, fell in bed and slept for like 16 hours. You know, he was absolutely wasted. And and I'm thinking about this. I was talking to a a friend yesterday, a friend and and a client, and... And he was telling me a similar story when he, you know, was in a car accident and flew off the road into the ocean and, you know, went like 40 feet down in water, was stuck in the car. And just when he was about to drown, he suddenly, you know, somehow, he he has no idea how, tears himself loose, kicks himself out of the car and gets, you know, and saves his life. And, you know, just about a similar time as he was mm. starting to feel this peace that people describe <sighs> when they're drowning. Yeah. And when, when the lungs are filling up, but something kicks in at the same time, he gets this extreme energy and power, you know, some kind of resilience. And, and, and so, yeah, when you were talking about this before, reading this to me, this, I, this idea or suggestion, these are the first things that kind of came to mind is that most of my life, my resilience has been based on some kind of a primal or inner energy or power, you know? Yeah. I just sort of drift, you know, I've way too often just kind of drifted in life, gotten to a point where something happens and suddenly I get the energy and sort of, you know, sort of, Pull me, pull my ass out of whatever I'm doing, and you know, and and kick life in the butt, kind of, and yeah. kick life in the dick, as my as our <laughs> friend Matt would say. And, and the reason for why this sort of jumped to mind first is that this is not really how I live my life anymore. I'm not drifting. I'm not on mm. autopilot. You know, I'm living consciously. I'm doing all kinds of practices to be aware throughout my day. You know, I, I have ideas about where I'm going and I'm, I'm aware throughout the day of whether what, what I'm doing aligns with that dream or, or truth or not. And so today I, I feel more connected to really resilience than ever before. But it's not the kind that sort of kicks in to save your life just at the very last minute, kind of. <clears throat> but it's resilience based on routine, based on doing the stuff I'm preaching, you know, kind of. I wake up earlier in the morning. I don't use my phone for the first hour, hour and a half after I wake up. I, mm-hmm. I, I do stillness. I meditate. I pray a little. Then I sit down and I write, you know, I sort of... Sometimes I'm consciously writing about the specific thing. Sometimes I'm just sort of kind of brain dumping it off too. And something I recently added to my to my routine is that I, I changed my eating pattern. So now I, I, I fast for at least 20 hours every day. Hmm. And that has brought in a new kind of resilience in the sense of focus. You know, I after 14, 15 hours of not eating, I get this brilliant focus where I'm able sure. to 
do all kinds of stuff that a regular ADHD kind of had, you know, would, would maybe struggle with. But also something that I I think I mentioned before is, you know, I'm doing all this in, in, internal work with the, you know, the little child inside or our trauma or, you know, whatever people want to call it. My ADHD has actually receded dramatically, so I don't really feel it that strongly anymore as a mm-hmm. you know it, it's been a big factor in my life all my life and so yeah it's uh i kind of find it interesting how how many different things came up when you were re- reading that to me and that yeah. that, uh, that resilience has many forms but the resilience that we generally like to think about when we're talking about resilience in this in the sense of doing life you know success getting to your goals or you know that resilience is based on consistency it's based on having a routine having a clear path having a clear plan knowing who you need to be to get there and start being that person right away and all of these sort of these little things that basically built up to, you know, growing a resilient motherfucker, you know. So, yeah. Excuse my language. Just. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> After this 18-hour monologue I just did not I'm sorry. I was just listening. A lot of good stuff there. Um no, it did make me think about how I do think there are different forms of resilience. You know, I, I didn't uh, look up the Webster's definition of it, right? But in general, resilience would be, you know, something's ability to sustain force or pressure and either bounce back or maintain its form, right? So uh, one of the first thoughts that came to me is like, I think my first introduction to resilience is, you know, in recovery, we often joke about how resilient we are, but as you were saying, like normally it has to get, it's, it's in those moments where it gets so bad that it's like that hit of adrenaline, like survival mode. Well, I think the reason I was resilient is because I'm so fucking good at ruining my life quickly and aggressively. (laughs) So, you know, you place yourself into positions where you have to go into survival mode, like, you know, trying to escape that car and, um, so there's that piece. And then there's uh, another thing that I thought of was, you know, I started to get to a place where I could cognitively almost forecast, like if I continue down this path, this, these outcomes, um, am I going to like where that's going to be right? Instead of actually reaching a bottom, can I forecast mentally in my mind and, and be mindful of if this thing, if I carry this thing all the way through, am I going to like where it's at? And can I bounce back from being able to almost meditate on that? But the, the final form that I thought of is exactly what you're talking about, which is kind of where we're at today, which is instead of that, let me bounce back from hell kind of a thing. It's the Mm -hmm. daily disciplines of kind of, for lack of a better word, moving towards heaven of understanding that like, my resilience today is found in like that consistency and maintaining efforts in those daily habits that I know keep me grounded and regulated so that as difficulties arise, whether that's 
conflict or financial, you know, insecurity or unexpected, you know, uh, just difficulties in general, that those things are like just repetitive in nature and we stay grounded in them and they enable us to be able to just have the strength and the ability to, to just adapt, pivot, whatever we need to do to overcome whatever thing that we're facing and Mm -hmm. having had experience with all of them, I far prefer the most recent one I've been experimenting with over feeling like the entire structure of my life is falling down upon me and, and I have to escape, um, you know, survival mode. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that in, in, in social work or in therapy, one of the things that we look for, what are those factors that enable people to have resilience? Like, to have that ability to not just, you know, feel as if life, life is beating them down and they don't have the ability to keep going or to overcome it or to look at it as an, as an opportunity or to look at it as this necessary thing that helps me get to the next phase of life. And, you know, mindset and habits have a ridiculous amount to do with that. And I think naturally each person has assets and liabilities in regards to their kind of mental toughness or their, their natural resilience, right? Like there are just some people that are freaks of nature that have this ability to, you know, not even sweat it for a day kind of a thing. And they just roll right into the next thing. And I think, uh, we don't get to choose what that natural set point is, but we can Mm -hmm. continue to improve it. It's kind of like you talked about with ADHD, like, we don't get to pick how our brain is going to work, but we can decide to do the habits of, you know, the daily cognitive exercises and making lists and, you know, getting plenty of sleep and eating nutritious things and practicing different dietary protocols and doing all of those things to give yourself the best possible chance you can to, you know, navigate how your brain works. And so, yeah, there's another 18 minute monologue i was just i was th- i was just thinking about as you know a similar thing that you were talking about the g- genetic you know some people are just genetically phenomenally you know good at resilience and and you know i was listening to somebody in the program describing how he was drunk around the clock for almost 50 years and i was looking at this dude sitting in front of me you know he's i don't know close to 70 years old and he looks really good yeah i was just like fuck i did that you know <laughs> i wouldn't have survived 50 years of you know I whatever i was doing that long yeah <laughs> no well you know i'm a i'm a child you know i was like 19 when i stopped and yeah only used for eight years but but yeah so but if you don't mind you know you you said we don't get to choose how our brains work or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing it correct, you know, a hundred percent right. But, but do you actually believe that? Or is that an old belief that has been evolving in the last couple of years? Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me reframe that. <laughs> um, cause we do, we, we do get to choose how our brain is ultimately going to work. I do believe that we mm-hmm. have the power. I mean, especially, as a counselor, like my whole job is dependent on the fact that I think we, we have the, 
the power and ability to change everything mm -hmm. about our lives, right? I guess what I'm getting at is the, uh, that the initial set point, right? The initial mm -hmm. deck of cards, the hand that we're given, the experiences that we have in childhood, like we talked about a few, a few episodes ago, mm -hmm. we don't get to pick those, but we can absolutely decide what we're going to do from this moment forward with them. You know, yeah. I didn't choose how alcohol and cocaine were going to respond in my body and how much I was going to like them. Right. I do get to choose what I do with that from this point forward. And so, um, yes, I do absolutely believe that we have the power of choice in maybe not the initial thought, but choosing how we're going to yeah. respond or react to that thought. And, uh, so that's, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's a, yeah. that is a, a point that's changed. Yeah. I did, you know, I'm not, my intention is not to put you on a line here somewhere, but I, but I just, I know from all our conversations that, that you actually believe the opposite kind yeah. of, you know, and, yeah. and, and so do I, it's, yeah. but this is something, you know, this is a, something very typical that we say out of, out of habit, you know, just like when people go, no, it's just the way I am. Yeah. I, I don't respond well to that anymore. Yeah. I'm just like. <laughs> No, it's, it's what you're choosing. Yeah, it's what you're choosing, you know, yeah. it's like, and I love it. I love the fact that we have the obviously, you know, there are, there are exceptions. And you know, when you say something like this, people very commonly go directly, you know, instantly to the exceptions It's like, yeah, you know, but you know, if you're like this, and this and this, you don't get to have a choice. And well, that's true. Sure. But 85% of us generally have, you mm -hmm. know, or 78 or whatever percentage you want to use, you know, I don't know. The majority of us do have a choice and, and I love it. I, you know, it's, for me, it's kind of a, a new truth. You know, it's only in the last few years where I sort of started realizing by all the stuff I've been reading and, and, and watching that neuroplasticity is ongoing throughout our life, which means we can generally recreate. Yes our personalities and whoever we want to be whenever it, you know, it takes sometimes takes a while, obviously. Yeah. Or not. Maybe you can just mm -hmm. pretend to be that guy right away and then your brain will <laughs> catch up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the act as if, yeah. But I, I think that that's also why those, you know, we started this whole podcast talking about daily habits, right. And how important they are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when it comes to neuroplasticity, I think those are the things that give us the greatest opportunity to continue to evolve that neuroplasticity because, you know, it is an act of, you know, if it's stillness and meditation, you're observing the mind, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're paying attention to what those natural go-to thoughts are. If mm -hmm. you're practicing any sort of prayer life or therapy or journaling, or then you're also practicing holding alternative thoughts than the ones that are naturally coming to you. If you're exercising and eating nutritiously and sleeping properly, you're feeding the body everything that it needs to properly create those neural pathways and, and set them and keep them. So, you know, I don't think habits are like this thing that we hang our hats on and say, well, like it's just, because that's what people do. It's an active participant in 
the, the purpose behind it is so that we can think differently and we can experience the world differently. And I think those are the things that give us the greatest, uh, advantage to change those things as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Change neural programming, we'll say, or I'll say, because <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> that's what that was a profound deep shit, man. <laughs> 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 Sounded really wise until you started drinking that monster. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what else changes well, neuroplasticity? Nine thousand milligrams of caffeine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's what all the professors drink. You know, I'm sure. You know, yes, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what next? Yeah. What's ahead? What's ahead? I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You got a clean sheet, man. You can do yeah. whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm kind of Peter Pan-ish, you know, I'm not sure if I want to grow up. You know, so. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really appreciated you sharing the other week about, uh, how much has changed with your own attention issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when we first met in person, one of our first conversations was about that exact thing because I was sharing with you about anxiety and you were sharing with me about just ADHD. And, um, what do you think has been the, the impactful things to kind of help you with that? And you've talked about a lot of different things, but what would you say are the top two or three that you've implemented in the last year and a half, I guess? Well, Number one, I'd like to sort of say that for a lot of us, as we grow older, the hyperactivity seems to disappear, mm. but it actually just goes inside. So the older we grow, people with ADHD very commonly become less fidgety and, you know, sort of on edge on the outside, mm. but it turns into anxiety a growing anxiety as you're growing older. And, you know, before I met you, before, you know, basically the year before I met Matt, Matt Vincent, you know, for the first time, uh, I had been looking a lot into, you know, into that anxiety. You know, I was looking a lot, sort of wondering what to do about it, what tools or methods or, you know, what kind of process I could, I could possibly use because I felt at times paralyzed. You know, I felt at times that if I didn't have something specific to do and usually something planned by somebody else than me, <laughs> then the days just passed by with me doom scrolling or not even that sometimes just sort of, I don't know. It, fe it felt like I spent hours just staring into the, you know, into thin air. 
you know, at least not moving in a in a way or you know progressing towards something that you know as I would have loved like to be doing and and in general just not myself you know I I'm what's the English word for it you know I'm I'm sort of the opposite to lazy, but I often seem to come off lazy because I'm just not focused or, you know, kind of, you know, throughout life, I've often been like that. But then I don't mind working 18 hours a day for, you know, 19 days in a row or, you know, whatever. I just, you know, I'm the kind of guy I just show up and I do what needs to be done kind of. Mm -hmm. But I've often because of, you know, attention issues and, and etc maybe needed somebody to show me where to where to go for what to do and even if i knew you know planted myself i sometimes needed somebody else to sort of guide the way you know how to start because i would just be like but in the last two and a half years the catalysts for the change i felt in my adhd definitely starts you know the very beginning of this new change you know i've been doing personal development work for a long time but yeah there's been a new deeper inner change or progress in the last two and a half years than i've ever felt before and the beginning of it is meeting Matt, you know, mm-hmm. I, we've mentioned him a few times on this podcast and Matt and Bonnie together, they are the most authentic mm-hmm. people I've ever met. And what, you know, what I mean by that, they're extremely authentically themselves, whether you like all of it or not, doesn't matter. They are absolutely a hundred percent sincere and, you know, just being doing themselves, you know, just being them. And I come from a tiny little place where everybody kind of knows everybody. And, you know, you, you don't have the same sense of privacy as you yeah. can have in the U S you know, <laughs> you can walk downtown in the U S for, you know, not everybody knows you and not everybody will remember what you were doing and, you know, whatever. Iceland is different from that. Then, So that was sort of the first thing. The first thing was just realizing that I can actually just decide to be precisely whoever I I want to be. Mm. And that had sort of started developing earlier, you know, around 42, three years old. Yeah. I kind of shed the idea of fear of other people's opinions that kind of disappeared. But when I met Matt and Bonnie, I realized that I was still inside, you know, the what do you call it? The, 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 you know, the, the barricade that, that you grow up in, if you come from a small place like Iceland, you know, it's like, uh, anyhow, I'm, I'm sort of lost for words there, but I was still carrying all the sort of restrictions that come with living in this culture, not, you know, and I started sharing those and then I joined Matt's program and we started diving deeper into building a morning routine. You know, I've, I've, 
I've had a morning routine for a long time, which was just meditating and praying and adding sort of a more conscious kind of work into that had a strong effect. Um, and then through Matt, I met George. Mm -hmm. And through George, I, I experienced breathwork sessions. Through the breathwork sessions, I was able to connect with something inside that I hadn't been able to connect to before. And before that happened, I had heard this psychiatrist in Iceland talk about that he said the ADHD people basically can't meditate. Hmm. And I was offended, you know, <laughs> not deeply, but I was, you know, I was, it, it was sort of like, what the fuck do you mean, man? I've been, I've been meditating for, you know, yeah. for 20, 20 something years. And, and, and that's one thing with ADHD. We're actually easily offended. You know, it's, <laughs> we take things personally. And, but that got me, you know, Maybe a day or two later after I heard that, once once I got past being offended, I I really sort of started wondering, you know, what if it's true? What if all this time I've been meditating, just living in my head? Because that's basically what he said. He said people yeah. with ADSD can't really meditate because they don't have a connection with their body. And so I started... Think, you know, I basically started thinking about that a lot. And then I did that breath work with, with George in, in Montana. And during the breath work, I started suddenly just sort of, you know, <laughs> pushing my fingers into my body all over. And suddenly I found these really weak spots and mm. all kinds of emotions started coming up. It's, you know, it was surreal. And that kind of started this new, you know, I've done some kind of childhood work before a couple of times but possibly i did it very logically and not somatically mm. and this started this new somatic journey that i've been on that has really had a profound effect on me it has had a profound effect on you know connecting to that kid kind of on a deep level allowing those feelings to come up, allowing those, you know, memories and feelings to heal and, and etc. It just has mm -hmm. had a profound effect. And, and at the same time, you know, I graduated as a life coach just about two, about two years ago. So, you yeah. know, all of this is kind of happening at a similar. So there's a lot of different things that has been happening, you know, but uh, I would say the catalyst for the change in my ADHD the catalyst for why I don't really need that coping mechanism in a sense mm -hmm. anymore is connecting deeply on a deep level, you know, to those childhood memories and feelings. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I would never step forward and say I have deep, massive childhood traumas, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, and a lot of people have had phenomenal extreme difficult experiences you know and i'm but it doesn't matter if your trauma isn't you know a you know a, a prisoner of war or something yeah. you know? it's just it doesn't matter the only thing that matters really for you is that if your traumas if your memories 
are triggered by stuff today where you kind of lose control of how you react or behave, then it's definitely something you should look into and, you know, figure yeah. out if it, if it needs dealing and healing, you know, it's sort of, but yeah, it's a long, long story short, <laughs> all of these things kind of line up and create this new personality that is able to deal with life differently than I was two years ago. You know? Yeah. So fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, in so many ways I can, uh, I feel like my experience parallels that in, in, in a lot of ways in that in the last two years, my own journey has been expedited, especially with my racing mind and anxiety, uh, sure as hell has not gone away, but has dramatically changed a lot due to, uh, the people I've encountered, the experiences I've encountered. And it's interesting that in so many ways I'd spent years up here, you know, I've been in therapy for 20 some years or yeah. Uh, been in, in long-term recovery for almost 19 years now. There's constant work to be done that we're, you know, opening up and finding things and memories and, and, uh, and doing the work of recovery. That's not new to me, but you, uh, in a, one of the more recent podcasts you talked about something like a trap door open for you. And somewhere around that time, it felt like that you dropped from your head down into your body. And that, mm -hmm. that thing has happened with me through interestingly through like putting my body through different things like, and it is the breath work and the cold and the long hikes and the exercise and the, and really inhabiting my body. I've spent years in the gym lifting weights, but not necessarily mm -hmm. being present in my body. And, uh, you know, one of the people that I met is my, my, uh, therapist and coach Brooke, and she does breath work. And we've been doing a lot of somatic work in, in, in sessions. And <clears throat> for those of y'all who don't know, like the somatic work is just really being present in your body. And there's a lot of breathing and paying, paying attention to where, energy and tension and experiences are and just kind of being present with it and seeing where, um, where the body kind of takes you instead of just being up here. You know, I regularly would find myself just talking the first 20 minutes of a session and then she would ask me one question and it would go right down to my stomach. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, okay, here we are. Now we're doing the real work kind of a thing. Um, but it's just another level of um, opportunity and freedom. I was listening to one of our previous episodes earlier this week, editing, and um, you know, we both shared about how exciting that is. Like, I never thought I would be excited about that. Like, to learn at a deeper level how fucked up I am. But like, I really genuinely I love it, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really is like because it's like it's that feeling of like it can get better, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Life is really fucking tough a lot of days. And there's even today, some really dark moments, but in general, I'm really fucking grateful for everything that's going on. And when you, when you do this and you realize like, Oh, I'm just getting started. 
over and over. Like there's more, we can be happier, more fulfilled. We can enjoy this ride even more that nothing is over just because another year has gone by. It's actually, we're just fucking beginning over. And, and I, I, that excites me because I'm an addict in every sense of the way. And I, I joke about it, but you know, the idea of life reaching this point where it's like, well, the good years are over and you know, like, <laughs> it's yeah. all down that, that doesn't excite me, but being able I, to, yeah, go ahead. I was just, you know, I really feel like I just started over and it doesn't mean that all the experience I have from the past doesn't count or isn't valid. You know, I'm 33 years in the program, been sober a long time, you know, like you and, and, but generally all the work I've done so far seems to have been mostly logical. Mm -hmm. So now that I suddenly have access to this <laughs> body of mine, which is, it seems to be quite a big part of me. <laughs> yeah. a, now that I have access to it, you know, and, and for people that don't like the woo woo part of this, the, the, the fact is that this isn't really woo woo or, or anything. It's that the simple fact is that the biggest part of our neural system is not in the brain, but all over the body. You know, we actually have more neural, you know, brain cells or not brain cells, but, you yeah. know, but, but what do you call those? Neural cells? Neurons, is that the English yeah. word for it? Neurons? Mm -hmm in our gut than we have in our head, you know. So all these memories are stored in different places in the body. And healing memories or wounds or experiences that you were not able to deal with as a kid is all about being able to connect to those places in your body again, sort of becoming aware accepting, you know, op opening up the can of worms kind of. And then after healing and feeling, you store it in its rightful place, which is commonly somewhere else in the body. You know, it's, uh, it's like it's open in the wrong drawer all this time. Mm. So logically dealing with all of that definitely helped me a lot, but it didn't finish the process. Yeah. It was more like kind of deciding to accept or agree or, or, you know, or let go, but still carrying, you know, st still carrying all the wounds kind of mm -hmm. the wounds didn't heal. <laughs> and in so many ways, you know, I, I think I touched on this before. I'm not sure, but in so many ways, I feel like connecting to that three-year-old and four-year-old and, you know, seven-year-old me in a way shed so many layers of me that I've built through the years to cope in different circumstances that a lot of the experiences that I had wearing those layers, wearing those armors, I'm kind of having again now. <laughs> You know, as a, you know, I, I don't know, it doesn't really make sense when I say it out loud, but I'm, <laughs> it feels like I have to have a lot of those experiences again to have them authentically as me. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 
it's not like fuck you know do i have to do life again no no, no it's you know it's, it's nothing like that it's just mm. and you know as you said before i've i've been at this phase for 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 quite some time where when i find the new truth about myself i'm excited yeah because there are all these little things that are still holding us back. So when we can find the next step, the next thing to deal with, the next thing to see and realize and, you know, heal and love and, and move on. It's so fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Exciting. It is. The image that came to mind as you were, you were talking about the difference between like dealing with it in your head and actually getting into the body with it is like, I have a drunk, I have a junk drawer at my house. Everybody generally has a drunk junk drawer. And mm -hmm. when I was just doing the cognitive work, it's like regularly opening the drawer and being like, there's a bunch of shit in there that needs to get put elsewhere and then closing <laughs> it. <you know? laughs> and just like every so often opening it back up and being like, yep, that's there. And then closing it. And it feels like I'm finally starting to like pull a couple of those things out and find a place for them yeah. and, and move them around. And, and, uh, that's a that's, brilliant metaphor. That's man. it's uh, it really is it really is cool. Yeah. 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 So don't have to carry that stuff around anymore. Mm. Anyway, to make yeah. this really woo woo. Yeah. I've been dealing with being unhappy with my weight, or you know, not necessarily my weight, but but just being fat mm. for a long time, and I've very often gotten. You know, sort of done extreme work and sort of gotten myself in better shape, and then sort of slide back all the time again and again mm -hmm. and again and again. And this time, after connecting to those <laughs> layers or whatever that I feel have been really holding me back, I just felt in Montana that now it's gonna slowly, <laughs> you know, disappear, kind of and. For the last few, you know, few months, I've just found it very easy to mm -hmm. control what I'm eating, or at least to control when I'm eating, mm -hmm. you know, and just those sudden needs to just dive into sugar or snacks or something in the evening, they, you know, they're, they're gone. Yeah. Part of it was ADHD also, because, you know, the ADHD brain, when it's sort of, when you have this moment in the evening when, you, when the brain becomes tired and such, you get these snack attacks, yeah. kind of. But yeah, you know, I'm, we're not specialists on this. We're just talking from our own experience. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it seems all of this just really bundles up and... The silver lining I'm listening while listening to you talk, the silver lining I can really sort of see in all of this for both of us is awareness becoming conscious, you know, consensus, you know, what conscience, conscious, yeah, what's the word conscious, yeah, becoming conscious of our feelings and situations and what's happening not reacting automatically to feelings that come up that, you know, but instead just slowing down and, you know, what's this thing? Where is this coming from? You know, what's behind it? Mm. And just taking control. You know, it's a, even though I've been in control of so many things in my life for so long, you know, 
the most I feel like the most important part of me was kind of left out. Mm. You know, it was in third or fourth place while I was trying to cope, still cope with everything else. There was, you know. Yeah, man. That's awesome. You got my brain working. Yeah. Well, dude, it's good to see you. What did we talk about? I don't know. I wrote down <laughs> hamburger. That's all I got. <laughs> I got to go get dressed and head to a wedding. Awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll see what, whenever, whenever, whenever the clips come automatically out, we'll, we'll see what, what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of it was really good. Yeah. So there might've been a couple of minutes in there that really makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, man, well, yeah. Love you too. Love you too. I hope you have a good week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to send us messages on Instagram um, DM us uh, on the account. Let us know your thoughts, some feedback, any ideas that you want us to uh, discuss. We're really having a good time with this. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you next week. Peace. Peace out.